song again. Okay.
who have lost loved ones, who've lost brothers, who've lo- who have lost cousins, who've endured the same pain, and then they have to relive that trauma. Malik, I want to pause for a second because Reverend Jesse Jackson said this about the ruling, that it means open season on protesters. Here's Reverend Jesse Jackson and his thoughts on the ruling. Since you just heard the verdict in the Rittenhouse trial, uh, what's your response? Now, Malika, President Biden had this to say. Now, President Biden, again, he was in surgery at the time of the ruling. He released a statement which read as such. While the verdict in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included, we must acknowledge that the jury has spoken. I ran on a promise to bring Americans together because I believe that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. I know that we're not going to heal our country's wounds overnight, but I remain steadfast in my commitment to do everything in my power to ensure that every American is treated equally with fairness and dignity under the law. I urge everyone to express their views peacefully, consistent with the rule of law. Violence and destruction of property have no place in our democracy. The White House and federal authorities have been in contact with Governor Evers' office to prepare for any outcome in this case. And I have spoken with the governor this afternoon and offered support and any assistance needed to ensure public safety, close quote. Now, Malika, I'm curious about President Biden's statement, and it's clear that the president means well. He intends to ensure that America can maintain peace and order, but it's curious that he starts by saying violence has no place in our democracy, but we're here because someone sought turn to violence to resolve a conflict. What does that say about the language that perhaps our elected leaders use versus the mentality or the behavior of so many of our fellow citizens? Well, this is the precise language that Biden espoused during the Kenosha shooting last August. So around that same time, he went down to Kenosha. He put out an ad that was almost equivalent to what you would see from uh, uh, Richard Nixon, where it was showing all this combustion that's happening in these cities and saying that we need to be a, a party and I'm going to be a president of law and order. So what he's saying is very consistent with how he has operated as a senator. It's how he operated as a candidate. So his commentary, and I see that he cleaned it up because earlier when he was asked immediately after coming out of the hospital how he felt about it, it was a very simple, I stand with the jury. That's a decision that they made. I stand by them. And so there is this automatic belief in the uh, legitimacy of a system where for decades it has been subjective. You have people who are basing their assumptions about what is reasonable based on how they feel in that position with something, uh, with an activity or some sort of action that's imminent. And so for them, sure, it's reasonable that this kid who could be my my grandson or my nephew will cross state lines and want to protect the used car lot. But for everybody else, I think their lives matter a little bit more than a used car lot, which we should remind the uh, watchers here of the audience that the owners of that car lot said they didn't even ask Kyle Rittenhouse to be there. 
Howard House reached out to them. He texted them. They met in person. They didn't say that they needed any protection. So he took it upon himself to be a white knight, and then you have an entire legal system, and you have a president that tries to substantiate the the legitimacy of a system that somehow keeps exploiting and keeps taunting almost black people and those who are looking for justice. Malika, we're going to let you get out on this, but I do want to ask, and I apologize if the question is a little difficult for the time that we have to answer it. How do we reconcile a system that tells us there's legitimacy in the belief of the majority, right, the jury of our peers, the election results, et cetera, et cetera, how do we reconcile the legitimacy of the beliefs of the majority when the majority holds inhumane beliefs? Uh, well, you know, I, I think that is maybe overstating things a bit because we saw even last year that a lot of people came around to supporting Black Lives Matter activism. Even with the protests in Kenosha, it was a multicultural movement. What we're really seeing is a silent majority that, or a silent minority, excuse me, that is having very strong backlash to the, the sort of, it was, it was like a, a reckoning that a lot of people started to recognize, that you saw liberals, whites, blacks, Latino, all over the country say that there, this is finally the breaking point. And so you have a minority that realize that they're losing grip on power. So they have to start redistricting. They have to start thinking about gerrymandering. They have to have anti-protester laws. Just to keep in mind, Charlotte, the Charlottesville trial is happening right now where you can have cars that ram into protesters. So they're hanging on to the very little bit of power that they think they have in a society that is changing around them. Malika Jabali, we thank you so much. And I appreciate you for reeling me back in for my reductionist and oversimplification of what the issue is at hand. And I thank you for the insightful analysis. We appreciate the work that you've done. She is the senior news and politics editor at Essence and Essence.com. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Roland Martin. Malika. Thanks for having me. We're going to take a quick break. And coming up, we'll have much more right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star to give you something yeah. that's going to put you in that position. You're going to remember this. Yeah. It was on tour. So Brian wanted to be the headliner. Now, you're headlining with New Edition. So we're like, okay. You want to be the headliner? No problem. Here's what you said. Did you see you beat the band? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget one night we, uh, two of the guys, the driver got lost. I think it was Westbury we playing. And I'll never forget, um, we asked, they asked him if he didn't mind going on first, and uh, we, would, we would close out. And he, they came back and said, he said, no, I'll give him his puck. He took it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough out there. By the time he would come out, he could hear echo. <laughs> wow. Nine-year-old's wedding speech. I know I might seem a little sad up here, but these are tears of joy. Packed a powerful lesson on family. On the road tonight on the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. 65% of the global population is lactose intolerant, according to the National Institute of Health. This number is even higher among non-white populations, such as Asians, Blacks, and Hispanics, which you've all heard here today. Those who cannot effectively digest the lactose in cow's milk may experience really painful symptoms, like abdominal pain, bloating, 
gas, nausea, diarrhea, constipation. Why on earth does the USDA have a food category on the dietary guidelines for Americans that makes over half of us sick, uncomfortable, and unable to breathe? For the USDA to continue to put its stamp of approval on a product that is unnecessary and unhealthy and rooted in a highly, oppre rooted in a highly oppressive system is unconscionable. Now the latest on the pandemic, the FDA approving both Pfizer and Moderna's boosters for all adults 18 and up today. I want to bring in NBC News medical contributor, Dr. Vin Gupta. And Dr. Gupta, that's not all. A CDC advisory panel also unanimously recommending the Pfizer and Madonna, Moderna boosters for all adults. So I, I just have to ask, when do you think these shots will actually be available for all American adults? Good afternoon, Allison. Great to see you. Hey. Uh, imminently, but likely in the next week, once the CDC advisory committee actually goes ahead and issues that final decree and the CDC, CDC director signs off, likely going to happen in the next 24 hours. Next week, if you're if you're an adult 18 or over or have already gotten two shots, you will be eligible for that third shot. So uh, this is going to happen quite quickly. How important is this added layer of protection? And what is your advice for people who aren't sure if they should get one, especially with the holidays, winter on the way? Uh, what, what's your medical wisdom here? Listen, I, I mean, I, I, the reason why there's been so much back and forth is because the booster is more needed for certain people than others. If you're otherwise healthy, less than 65, meaning you don't have cancer on active chemotherapy, serious medical conditions, the booster is, is going to be marginally beneficial to you. There's going to be less risk of you testing positive for the virus. We know many people that are otherwise healthy who have vaccine-breaking disease, they don't even notice it. So, so that's why the question of whether they really need this booster has been so top of mind. Is it going to be marginally beneficial? Yes. Is, it going to, is there any ill effects from it? No. That's why we're – to ease communication if you're 18 and over – the idea here is that it's going to be beneficial for everybody to a certain degree, if you're 18 and over, but really, really vital for those 65 and older or with a serious underlying condition like cancer. If you're on dialysis, for example, Allison, it's vital for those people to stay out of the hospital to get that third shot. I want to ask you about COVID pills as well. An FDA advisory panel is going to meet later this month to talk about Merck's antiviral COVID pill. The European Union recommending that pill for emergency use today. What should we know about it, and what are your expectations for it here in the United States? Well, that high-risk group I was just referencing, those who are 65 and older with a really high-risk medical condition, they are going to be the ones that will likely get first access to this oral pill. 30 pills scattered over five days. You're high-risk unvaccinated come down with this illness and you get and this treatment early within the first 72 hours of diagnosis this pill has been shown to reduce your risk of progression and ending up in the hospital by at least 50 percent so that's great that's great news hopefully this can actually help mitigate loss mm -hmm. of life because allison we're expecting 10,000 weekly deaths week over week mm -hmm. largely amongst the unvaccinated through the end of february at least so this is going to be helpful as with the pfizer pill that's going to follow Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top stories and breaking news by downloading the NBC News app.